Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time because we have a lot to get to on the show this week. Before we get into the official proceedings, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we just thank you so much for enjoying another presentation of our uh, podcast that we've had going on for a decade now, 2012 to 2022, 10 full years of Longhorn Blitz and still going strong. Thank you so much for your support anywhere you get your podcasts. Search Horns 24-7, click that follow button, and get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesday afternoons. And get over to Horns247.com, the latest and greatest in Longhorn team news, notes, nuggets, and the best Longhorn recruiting coverage in the market. Get it at Horns 24-7. And don't forget, tune in to the Horn, hornfm.com, the Horn app, 1049-1019 AM1260 if you're in the greater Austin area. You can get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon and my man Rod Babers and Mike Hards on Baldo Light each and every weekday from 3 to 7. So with all the shameless plugs out of the way, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Uh, Other than the Cowboys deal with Randy Gregory falling through and about the last half hour before we sat down to record this podcast, Doing wonderful. Throwing the Randy Gregory thing threatens to ruin my day because as a lifelong fan of the Dallas football Cowboys, uh, I don't know that they're worse, but they're sure not getting any better losing Randy Gregory. So uh, a man who he can talk about the NFL. He can talk about pop culture. He can talk about a number of different topics because he is a renaissance man. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-America, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. And nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Great intro, as always. Rod, I do want to mention some stuff with the National Football League briefly because it does relate to some lifetime Longhorns oh, yeah. signing contracts. Okay. So I'm just going to run this down, and Matt, feel free to chime in also. Uh, Rod, you just let me know. Good deal, bad deal, indifferent, whatever. Okay. All right. Uh, let's kind of start with the smaller deals and then work our way back up. P.J. Locke signs an exclusive rights free agent tender oh, to remain with the Denver Broncos. Nice. That means the organization likes him. I mean, you're talking about regime changes. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I mean, he's been obviously with that organization for a couple of years now, a few years now. But for him to stay with them and to, to sign the exclusive rights uh, free agent tag, uh, that's big. I mean, like I said, that means the organization likes not just the coaching staff because that's been a turnover there. And especially with the type of turnover, you go from fangs in a defensive-minded mm-hmm. group to now hack it, a guy that's, you know, an expertise on the offensive side of the ball, new coach coming in and an offensive coach yet still keeps him. It's like that means yeah. they like him a lot. Patton, the new GM, must be a P.J. Locke fan. We'll, we'll stick with the Broncos because there's two more Broncos deals related to lifetime Longhorns. I did not see money on this, but Andrew Beck back with the Broncos. On a one-year deal. There you go. Um, and that's, yeah, I wonder, because they, they like to run the football. I mean, that's the beauty of Andrew Beck and his elite, the elite tool that he has mm. is that he is an elite blocker, and they like to run the rock to the point where they do have 1A and 1B, essentially, as they're starting running backs. Yeah, and Javante Williams, like, 
if you look at him on a per snap basis, that dude, he's about as elite as it gets in the NFL. If you look at his just metrics breaking tackles on a per snap basis in college, it was through the roof. It was up above Bijan yards after contact. And then as a rookie, he either finished the year or was right at the top also. So more snaps he gets, and it's good to have a blocker in front of him. Yep. Also, Mac Brown guy. Hey, yep. shout out. One more Broncos contract to talk about. A lot of good dudes on this list that we're running down. Calvin Anderson back with the Broncos, one year, two and a half million. Yeah, the Broncos, like I said, they're taking some pride in you know those undrafted free agents. I mean, that's like I said, those are penny three stocks. of them right there. Yeah, those are those are penny stocks, man. You if you hit on undrafted free agents, those guys are able to give you you know starting reps or able to contribute uh, valuable reps for you. That is something um, you really can't really put a price on it. That's one thing that can really kind of elevate your um, your your capology, if you will, um, because those are guys that give you a huge amount of cap space because you're paying pennies for them, and they're giving you valuable reps, potentially starting reps at times. And we will talk about, uh, we know Texas has been a bargain bin for the NFL mm-hmm. for the last decade, and we will talk uh, more about that when we talk about Pro Day here in just a second because I think there's a couple of guys that might have gotten themselves we're talking about guys that are just Made some money. getting a look at being camp bodies mm. is what we're talking about with Pro Day. But we'll get to that here in just a minute. It's a shot, man. So there's your three Broncos deals. Uh, next, Connor Williams. The Cowboys really made no effort to re-sign him. Nah. He is headed to the Miami Dolphins. Two-year deal, $14 million, seven and a half guaranteed okay. for Connor yeah. Williams. Going there with that new Mike McDaniels offense, which is basically going to be very similar to the Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan offense. Out of zone blocking. We'll see how he fits in there. Should fit in better with the Cowboys because it just didn't work out well there. It just it just wasn't a good fit. You know, PFF had Connor Williams. I saw Joe Shad and some other Dolphins writers tweet this. Had him graded as the 11th highest rated guard in pro football last year, which actually is amazing considering how often he was penalized. And PFF does dock you for penalties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. One other thing to point out with the way PFF does their pro grading system it really is advantageous to run blocking linemen so if you're a good say zone blocking lineman in that situation because you get positive points for run blocks and according this is a interview i heard andrew whitworth talking about it and breaking down the way the metrics go out that if you're a pass blocker you can't get positive points you basically only get docked so mm-hmm. if you're on a team that just throws the ball lock inherently you're going to have a lower grade than people that are run blocking mm, offensive linemen so it just metrics the way Seems that like it goes system. yeah well just to understand the grading system yeah. to where if you don't know the parameters of the grading system then somebody can appear to be worse than the other guy and it's like oh no he's just put in a situation where he gets a higher grade interesting okay thank you for that breakdown matt uh we'll save the big deal for last but a lot i think a lot of longhorn fans would consider this name since he re-signed a big deal Colt McCoy, living life as a backup quarterback in the NFL, back with the Cardinals, two years, seven and a half million, six of it guaranteed. Yeah, and the Cardinals, you know, I mean, they obviously Texas quarterbacks are a good, a big theme around there. But for you know, for Colt McCoy, who's been a successful backup in the league, I mean, when mm-hmm. he's gotten his opportunities, even last year, yeah. right? He won. He, I mean, he was almost three and zero. Yeah, he was able to win You're games for him. That's your job as a backup. And unfortunately for Kyler Murray, because he He's undersized, and because of his stature, there's a good chance with him increasing the games to 17 games, he's going to miss a couple here or there for various reasons, having a veteran. I always say that NFL teams, they don't spend enough money on their backups. Yeah. If the if the quarterback position is the most valuable position in football, then the backup position should be insurance on the most valuable thing. All the valuable things in our life we have insurance on, life, health, car, all those things, right? And nobody wants to have insurance on their quarterback, and I dirty don't understand it. You should be trying to pay, I don't know, top dollar, but at least paying, you know, re- reasonable market rates for your backup quarterback, not trying to get a bargain there, or at least have that be your backup developmental guy because uh, I think that's the insurance behind the quarterback. And with them playing more games, honestly, quarterbacks are going to miss time. It's just the reality. Of it. By so the way, valuable. Yep. When, I, when you think of, like, current day, current NFL backup quarterbacks, hmm. Colt's name comes up to the top Chase of the list Daniel. real quick. There's the other he one. Just resigned. Just resigned a day yeah. with the Chargers. One year, two and two point two five million. Especially they can work to help you develop and bring along your young quarterback, right? That's part of it too. If you got a backup quarterback who is now settled in that role, 
is a veteran in the league and now understands his role. He can help you because in, in, with the young quarterback and their development, you've been in quarterback nurture. He can help you communicate with their quarterback on the sidelines, can help you kind of break down uh, and you know decipher what defenses are doing, all those different things. He can really be a helpful tool. I think that's what you're looking at too when you get those veteran quarterbacks. You want those guys to help your young QB uh, play at their highest level because they don't have to worry about the competition there anymore. It's more about everybody being a support system, essentially, mm-hmm. for the QB. And we've talked about the spread babies of, like, the, you know, Texas high school football system and just prol- proliferating all of football. Like, if you look at backups across the league, from your Shane Bouchelles to your Garrett Gilberts, you know, like, you have guys all the way. Like, if you go across the Big 12 list, it's everybody just littered across the league. So they know where to come to get their value for those guys, too, and you can— you're a guy like Chase Daniel, the amount of money that you've made as a backup quarterback is getting closer to like, I don't know, 60, 70 million by this point. Straight cash on me. So, uh, the, the last deal to talk about, um, Rod, I know you've known Quandre Diggs for a oh, good yeah. chunk of his life. Yep. Uh, Quandre, friend of the show, mm-hmm. saw Quandre briefly at the pro day. It was good to see him walking around. He's back with Seattle. Yeah. It's a three year deal, 40 million total. Uh, according to Adam Schefter, twenty-eight million over the first two years, thirteen point three three million uh, in average uh, is more than what Diggs would have made had Seattle applied the two point nine million dollar franchise tag. So Quandre, bottom line, he got paid. Uh, he probably would have got more if he had didn't have the injury right yeah. before he hit free agency. But I'm glad that the Seattle Seahawks. Didn't um, you know they didn't they didn't disrespect him and they still wanted to bring him back. That says a lot considering they are rebuilding. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. shipping out Russell Wilson that says you're rebuilding. They're acquiring picks, looking for where they're going next. Um, and I think they're out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes too. Is what I'm hearing too, which is strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I digress. Getting back to Quandre, they like him as a culture guy. So obviously he's a great player. We all know that, right? Pro Bowler, all that. But. He is a great person to have in a locker room if you are rebuilding because we mm-hmm. know him. He's a dog. He could <laughs> hell when Texas was in the doldrums here yep. when he was playing, he couldn't stand it. I mean, it was eating him alive. It was it was toxic to him to be around it. And he was very vocal about it. And he's like that, right? I think he's just one of those guys. And that's why him leaving the toxicity of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I played for Detroit. <laughs> All right, so it's just a, it's just a natural. Yeah, d- trust me, dysfunction with Detroit. It it don't matter really who the coach is, and somebody one day will will be able to fix that and remedy that. But it's just natural there. And when they I think they trade him for like a sixth round or a fifth round pick or something ridiculous, yeah, had, had everybody saying, "Hey, why didn't my team do that? I'm gonna trade him for that guy. What the hell, man?" Uh, but I was one good thing that Detroit did, and I'll give them props. They moved him from slot corner to, to safety because mm-hmm. they just saw the skill set over the stature, and that's what matters to him. And if you just kind of look at the football character of Quandre and then you're looking at just his the, the kind of the football skill set, he is a guy you want in your locker room. He is a, he is a safety. He just doesn't look like it necessarily, yeah. but he is that, and I think that's why they wanted him back, man. They want him back because he's a culture guy. If you want to rebuild the culture, that's a great person to start with. Yeah, Pete Carroll doesn't have to worry. It's just like he's the guy that is yep. going to police the players exactly. when everybody else isn't around. I'll say this, Rod, you've been around plenty of guys like this. Chris Beard said this the other day in regards to Timmy Allen as we get ready for the uh, the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Some guys love ball, but then there's some guys that are obsessed with it. Quandre is one of those guys that's obsessed with it. Yep. Some guys love it. Some guys live it. Quandre lives He lives it. it. He just is. It's something. It's it's part of him. It is who he is. I mean, it's it's his DNA. It's in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm with you on that. So props to Quandre. Quandre, yeah. if you're listening, shout out, man. Yeah. Great. I'm glad to see he got it. And I'm glad he's deal. doing. He's ahead of schedule on the yeah. Too. Walking around, no crutches, no Good boot, man. nothing. Just yeah. regular old Quandre yeah. walking around pro day. Let's talk about pro day, guys. I, you know, I was thinking about this, Rod. When you look at the worst drafts Texas had, I know there was that 14 draft where Texas didn't have anybody picked, but I think mm-hmm. in hindsight. Adrian Phillips and Trey Hopkins should have been draft picks. They should have been. They uh, were. Yeah. They were good enough. They've proven good enough to be picked. Agreed. Uh, even in and you look at the subsequent drafts, specifically when Texas comes off a losing regular season, the two five and seven seasons under Charlie, uh, and then this past season under Sark. Even in those other two drafts, Texas only had one guy go to the combine each of those two years. So that would have been the sixteen draft and the seventeen draft, mm-hmm. coming off the fifteen and sixteen seasons. But you knew Hassan Ridgeway was getting drafted. You knew Deontay Foreman was getting drafted. 
just didn't know where. Yeah. Figured somewhere in the middle rounds. But you knew those guys were getting drafted. This Texas draft class, after being a pro day, a pro day where not all 32 teams had representation present at pro day, mm. uh, probably about 21, 22 Times of the 32. Changed. No coaches, no GMs. Rod, if you go back to your pro day, it was drastically different. Yeah, no, it's just and uh, pro days at the time. Yeah, uh, but that's not to say there aren't guys that put their best foot forward. Uh, Josh Thompson stood on his time at the combine, uh, the four four flat forty that he ran, and his testing numbers: uh, thirty seven and a half inch vertical jump, ten seven broad jump, fifteen reps on the bench. I believe the five ten five shuttle was a four one eight and a six eight four in the three cone drills. So, you know, Josh Thompson, I think the one thing, Rod, that might knock him down a little bit, not not it is knocking him down a little bit. Uh I think two things, the consistent production just over his career. We've seen it in flashes, but he didn't put like multiple years together where he was like yeah. a borderline all-Big 12 guy, mm-hmm. uh, and then the size. I mean, he comes in a shade under 5'11", 194 pounds. I know. I think they – yeah, they, they were saying he was a shade under 6 foot. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I'm talking about Texas was. 5'10 five, five, and 3 quarters, yeah. 194. Yeah. Uh, hey, every inch counts. As all you were like 5'11 at one point in your career, weren't you, Rod? Yeah, Texas, and then obviously that wasn't the case at the combine. So, mm. yeah, that hurts him a little bit, but I think it – you know, I mean, it's one of those things where – He's got versatility on his side. The measurables now, that's good for him because that's on paper. We know that's not a question. That's not something that's going to drop his stock or drop his value with the team. I think the only thing with you, I think the only thing really dropping his value, I know it sounds ridiculously cliched and almost, you know, it sounds hurtful to say the film is, is hurting because it's not, it is the, it's, it's the, it's the arc of it, right? It's not a, it's not a linear progression where yeah. he's getting better every year. It's just sporadic plays that he's made, right? Oh, a good game here. That's a good game by Josh Thompson. It's like, oh, also, that's also the next, you know, couple of weeks where he got toasted, where he got burnt, right? And so I think for him, that's what's going to hold him back. He's just got to find a a coach in the NFL that really decides that you know what this I can I see his upside. I see more upside than I do downside. Mm-hmm. And you'll find a, a scout that says, no, no, no. This guy has great raw materials. Wait till I get him. They just, at Texas, they don't know what the hell they're doing. That's why, and that's a lot of coaches yeah. in the NFL like that. They assume they're cocky, they're arrogant. They assume, give me the raw materials, I'll turn them into a good, a really good player at Tech because we know Texas has a lot of those. So why it's become a bargain basement in terms of NFL teams uh, uh, finding value there for undrafted free agents. He'll find there'll be a team that thinks that likes his upside, like PJ Locke. With mm-hmm. the Broncos, like an Adrian Phillips when he first got in the league, and then once he once that coach finds him, he just got to make the most of the opportunity. By the way, he's met with pretty much all thirty two teams between the Senior Bowl and the Combine. Yeah, said so at this point he's had formals with a lot of teams, or at least informals with all thirty two teams. He said in interviews with people around the league, he's heard the Adrian Phillips comparisons. Yeah, he talks ball really well. That's right, and he's because he's played mm-hmm. you know multiple positions, played nickel, played corner, played safety. So this guy can talk ball and chop it up, and coaches like him. Start talking ball with the coach. He goes, "Okay." Josh studies yeah, too. He sits up in his chair, and goes, "Okay, you are you want to talk about cover three? You know, yeah, what no, I mean? like he's he excited. Was, he some was, co- some players they don't talk ball. They yeah. they know ball, but they don't talk it. That's mm-hmm. different. To talk ball and know ball are very different. You think all those guys out there know ball? They know ball, but all of them can't talk it. They can't come on. They can't come teach you ball. Mm-hmm. That's different. When you get a guy like that, that means he's a communicator. That means I can put him in that secondary, all right, and I can give him a coverage, and he can, you know, help move guys around. He can be an air traffic control, like, hey, no, 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 no. you need to go weak side, weak side. We switch, switch. He's one of those guys. Those guys in the NFL, they go far. Yeah, that's like right. transition defense in basketball, like being able to just communicate on the fly because yeah. you're instinctual in that situation. And he's a guy that, like, he's talked a lot about how he's sort of like a little brother to Brandon Jones, both growing yeah. up in the same mm-hmm. area. And Brandon Jones is a very similar player like yeah. that. Oh, okay. That's why yeah. he ended up High football having— football like you. Exactly. Brandon and, like, Jones. he said that, like— they, them two are very like-minded, and that was a big reason why Miami went and got Brandon Jones at the time. And it sort of was when you heard Brandon Jones around NFL space, people were talking about how much he knew the ball and how he you know, wrote out how he was going to fit into every single defense mm-hmm. along those lines. So that type of thing with Josh Thompson probably be able to make a right fit. It allows you the opportunity for the coach to find a like-minded player. Yeah, jo- Josh said Brandon got on him really hard. Like, look, this is what you need to do to prepare for the combine. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I remember Brandon had to do that because he couldn't do any of the physical stuff. Yeah. At the combine coming off of the labor surgery. So he had to, he had the notebook and had notes on every 32 teams. Great. Defense and the whole deal. So uh, Josh said Brandon really, really helped him getting ready for the combine and what to expect. Um, but to your point, Rod, you know, Josh Thompson's a guy that I don't know. He hasn't hurt his stock at all, but I don't know how high that stock was going to get because of the other okay. stuff we talked about. Yeah. You know, he's a day. He's a day. If he's gonna get picked, it's gonna be on day three. Yeah, and I, I don't anticipate him getting picked. But if he does, that that would be awesome. But I don't anticipate that. He should not let that deter him. That's why you know I think that people keep throwing out the Adrian Phillips comparison to him, and you know say, hey man, you your route may be a little bit different. You know, look at Quandre. Mm-hmm. Was he a sixth round pick or something? Six. Yep. I mean, like, it, 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 trust me, they don't always know what they're doing. Trust me. They get they get what's uh what's the corner J C Jackson? Want to just sign with mm-hmm. the Chargers? Undrafted free agent. Come on, man. Man, I think he was at Florida at one time, at Maryland at one time. Left early. Everybody yeah. was like, why the hell are you doing leaving early? No, you might not get drafted at all. Why are you leaving early? And he did. Yeah. Be- Belichick picked him up. Belichick was like, uh, and Camp was like, this dude can flat out cover. Yeah. He's going to be our starting corner. And was, as a, I think, a rookie. He's rookie year to be starting corner. 100%. And has had more interceptions than any corner in the league since he got to the league. Little Jordan Humphrey ran 4 7 5 at the combine. <laughs> yeah. I'm still, I'll claim it, the worst pro day I've ever seen since I've been doing this. Exactly. And he's in the league. He can play ball. We knew. I t- We said that all the time. I was like, he's going he's to be in the league. And I told he's, just, he's not going to get drafted because he didn't show out. And he's going to take one or two coaches to go, man, this dude can ball. The right he knows fit. how to get open. One, that's where a guy like when you're that fringe, of course you'd like to be drafted, but if you're a fringe seventh rounder to undrafted, there are merits to being undrafted and being able to pick the best landing spot where a team is enviable instead of being forced into a place where they're just trying to extricate value from you because they had a chance to get you and see something in you, but you may not be actually as envied as much. It's just that you're on the board in comparison to other prospects, there was value in you being taken. Sometimes whenever you fall off that board, it Great. works out better for the player, not say for the team, because he gets to find the landing spot. Uh, same can be said for Cameron Dicker, guys. It, look, I say this all the time about Texas kickers. If Phil Dawson and Justin Tucker can go undrafted, there's mm-hmm. no shame in being a kicker <laughs> from the University of Texas Damn who right. goes undrafted. Uh, Dicker is selling himself as a, as he put it, he is a kicker who can also punt. Yes, he can. Uh, you know, pro day for him. He missed a couple from 50-plus uh, because the the wind had really picked up by the time he got out there to kick, but he said he was perfect on 50-plus from the combine. Did think his his kickoffs were a little bit better at Pro Day, but, Rod, I, I'm not going to pretend to know about the place kicker market when it comes to the draft Mm-mm. or when it comes to free agency. Nobody does. Uh, I just know that he's got enough of a resume. He, he's going to be in a camp. Whether it's uh, as a draft pick or an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I mean, I would go as far as say he's got a really good chance to make a team. Um, and I believe he'll probably go undrafted just because he's a kicker. Mm-hmm. All right. Now it takes a team. Maybe a team really loves him because he can kick and he can punt. So that might be something that's really enticing to a team to take a flyer on him late in the draft. Chances are, though, because he's a kicker, he'll just be a priority free agent. I think he's got a really chance to make a team because he'll be your, he manufactures depth because if he's your punter, he'll be your backup kicker. Uh, and if he's your kicker, he'll be your backup punter, but also you'll be your kickoff specialist. He can just do so many things. Hell, they'll, they'll probably teach him how to hold. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Because he's they'll be like, you know what? We're just going to make you do a lot, give you a lot of things, and then we'll pay you, and he'll be a guy that manufactures depth on the roster. So I— he, he's probably got a better chance to make a roster than Josh Thompson. When, because the of the way the, the truth of it. Yeah, the yeah. way the NFL. They want cheap kickers. They don't want, they want to pay yeah. top dollar for a kicker. Exactly. So if they got a, somebody got a veteran. They just cut a kick. I mean, they just cut Hecker, right? The, um, yeah, the, the, guy, the Rams punter. Yeah. Nobody wants to pay top dollar for a kicker. Once you get to be a high-priced kicker and a veteran kicker, you know, like, damn, your time may be up. Greg Zerline just got cut. Yeah, it's just because nobody wants to pay top dollar because there are guys out there that can freaking kick. It's, you know, I'm not saying. But it's just the value between you and a replacement yeah. guy. And whenever you don't have to get a guy on a second contract and you can get some type of replacement level player for a minimum to come in and especially at a position where like you have so many kickers like kickers is the one position that gets cut in the season like you don't have situations like that where oh a guy misses a handful and you can get signed out of nowhere and become a really good kicker it happens all the time in the NFL so that works really well for Dicker and he'd probably be undrafted I still am so proud that I'm probably the only human in the world that predict that Dixon would leave 
school early and go into the draft. Like that, when you can leave school early and get drafted as a punter, that just shows your insane value. There's a very few players that have ever been able to do such things. There's another one this year. The punt guy. Oh yeah, oh for real. Yeah, I've heard of that guy. guy? Oh man, he's a he's a he's gonna be like a middle a mid round pick potentially. You remember the do you remember the Dixon draft? Urschleben. Yeah, when uh, when the Broncos and Seahawks did a pick swap because Seattle wanted to move up to take him. Mm. And John Elway, never, and I love John Elway, but everybody in that Broncos front office was laughing. Like, hey, he moved up to take a punter. And Pete Carroll's going, all right, laugh, laugh. When we've got a rookie all-pro punter who's winning us games, yeah, we'll see who's laughing. He'd have been great in that elevation, too. Oh, God. <laughs> a monster. Still watching Dixon. Like, Still every time monster, he punts, man. I stop to watch it because it's like he's going to put that in the corner and yeah. kick it 60 yards. No, we don't. No, that, was a, that was a great little prediction there. That so, was nice. I'll just say this before we start talking about some, I'll just run down some of these other guys real quick, but those are your two best prospects. They were both at the Senior Bowl, both at the Combine. Texas fans, don't take the bait. I know some of you are. Right? <laughs> don't take the bait draft weekend. When you're seeing memes from Aggies, oh, UTSA had more guys drafted than Texas. Uh, South Dakota State had more guys drafted than or Texas. when Paul Feinbaum tweets out that Texas had no players drafted. What's wrong with yeah. Texas? Have you watched the product? For the last twelve years, it's gonna happen. It shouldn't be a shock to you at this point. It's that, that's a you problem. If you're mad draft weekend, that's a you problem for taking the bait. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. and it's only I mean, the they truth. went five and seven this year, so there's yeah. a reason for that. And talent is talent development is part of that reason. I said this was the least amount of buzz for a pro day since I, since I've been doing them. For sure. Because I've been covering these things. It used to be a really a big deal, like that Colt and Earl one. Like there were huge ones in the years past. Yeah, but even for the down years. Yes, yeah. this, this was a like, even, the, the, even the down years. I was still buzzed. You about still the had a Hassan day. Ridgeway or Deontay Foreman. Somebody was, was going to get drafted. And you were like, yeah, exactly. You're no, like, you're right. man, I want to see how they perform. It just I remember like lowest. The, uh, yeah, I want to say it was was it Matt Patricia maybe that did Malcolm Brown's pro day workout when he was yeah he when did. he was a first round pick. He ran all the drills. It might have been Matt Patricia. Yeah, I don't remember for sure. No, that's why all the guys come back because it's like did he have a pencil in his ear? Yeah. Uh, okay. Speaking of guys coming back, we just need to address this because we have. I don't know if you talked about this on your show. I tried to avoid uh, talking no, about I it on my up show. Your, yeah, I saw it, your tweet and I was like, okay. <sighs> mm, interesting. Let me preface it by saying this: I love Earl Thomas. It's one of my favorite Longhorns of all time. Hall of Fame career. Go look at the numbers. Oh yeah. No, Five-time All-Pro, yeah, seven-time Pro Bowler. Yeah. Heartbeat of the Legion of Boom. No doubt. Earl Thomas worked out at Pro Day. Didn't talk to the media. I didn't. I'll be honest. If he talked to any scouts, I didn't see the interaction. Uh, just kind of left unspectacularly after his workout. Uh, keep on, Earl Thomas hadn't played in the league since the 2019 season. It's been a while. And it, it's, it, it was hard to watch, man, because it's, it's over for Earl Thomas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rod, you, 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 talked, gone. you talked about it with you. Everybody, Has their ninety out of, out of, if 100 players play the game, 98 or 99 of them, the game is done with you long before you're ready to be done with the game. That's mm-hmm. Tom Brady. As Lawrence Taylor once said, in any given Sunday, for every Barry Sanders or Jerry Rice, there's 100 people you've never heard of heard play of this them, game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's over for Earl Thomas, man. Yeah. It just, you could tell there's just nothing, there's nothing left. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think that's a surprise to anybody. Though. I, I mean, know, he's been away from the game for a long time. It's, exactly. When you and this is, I'm telling you, it it, ha- it happened to me. When you don't, it's amazing how quickly the game can pass you by. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It doesn't take long at all. It really all it takes is like one or two off seasons of you either not working out or not performing or not being able to get those reps, and you can be done. Like yeah. I'm saying, I'm not uh, just to the point where you can perform at a high level, high enough where you can you know, make an NFL roster or be a difference maker in the league. It doesn't take long. And we all know Father Time, undefeated. He hits other guys quicker. Um, and I think for Earl, the truth is he's probably been focused on other aspects of his life, which he needs to, right? uh, not related to football. And that's he's probably now just coming back to the game and wants to work out. And, yeah, you got to have that moment. Listen, my mine was in – Hell, the Palace at Palmer playing yeah. for the freaking Austin Wranglers. Yeah. All right, when I had the moment of, okay, you know what, I'm done. Like it's, just, I'm done. I remember the coach coming out. You going to practice? I was like, Nah, I'm not. Going to practice. <laughs> I was like, Coach, I'm done. He's like, I understand. 
He, he knew. He was like, yeah. I get it. He, yeah. He's like, because he, he's probably had that moment. Every, yeah. every man who's played ball has had that moment. He's like, no, nah, this is it for me. He's this coaching in the Arena League. I'm sure you yeah, weren't the yeah, first he, guy he, that exactly. he had that conversation he with. And yeah. sat there and was like, this is where the high school players play, huh? This is where the dreams start. This is where mm. mine's going to die. So I'm done. And I'm, you know what? I'm going to go out and go have a drink somewhere. And I'm going to go see what I'm going to do with the rest of my life because this is it. When that's and tough... I think he, I, I don't know if Earl had that moment, and maybe he's not done. And But I think everybody does. And Dan Neal can tell you his. Everybody can, well, you know, we, can tell you his. We were talking about that moment <laughs> like when it was going to happen for VY. Because even, even, moment, yeah. even when I talked to VY, uh, I talked to VY when we were doing some 10th anniversary stuff to mm-hmm. celebrate the national championship. Uh, Tim Crowder had a football camp in Round Rock, and VY was out there. And I caught up with him for you know, a couple minutes. And – you could tell he was saying he had moved on, but you could tell. Still was in him. Yeah. Still had that itch. And, and I guess for VY, because we haven't heard him mention anything since, I guess, man, sitting in Saskatchewan with a bum hamstring, at that point he's probably like, you know what? It's time. Might be it. It's over. And I think he went there too late. I remember talking to him before he went to Canada when he was just kind of just in between. And I was I was asking, like, hey, man, are you going to go to Canada? He's like, no, nah, I'm not going. And I think he took, like, another, like, year or so and then decided to go. It's one of those things like if you, man, it's fleeting. It it goes so fast. It goes quickly. You and you don't you don't see it. Mm. You it's like <laughs> you don't you really as a it's almost like somebody who, you know, if like you say they always say smokers don't smell the smoke. No, like yeah, they don't for smell sure. how they you, know, you smell like smoke. It's like mm. I, I don't think I smell like smoke. It was like yeah, you've been smoking. <laughs> like, you don't think you smell like smoke. It's one of those things you're so deep in it, you're so immersed in it that you you're. Your precipitous drop <laughs> in skill level, it you don't see it real time. You can't process it real time. It's like aging for people. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, you know, you look oh, in the mirror and you go, yeah. "Holy damn! Look at all these grays." I'm I getting got. old. Yeah, like you really. It's hard for athletes to process it real time because you're used to seeing yourself, you know, playing at an elite level, at yeah. an elite level, and like, no, nope, you're no nope, father time has got. It's why. I, watching Tom Brady give the middle finger to Father Tom is which just is crazy unbelievable and that's where like with players because normally LeBron's doing it now too it just doesn't happen and for players <laughs> to play at a high level you have to be so confident in, in what you play and stuff yep. so there can be that tough area where you're bordering on you know being irrational because you're being so confident and then you mm-hmm. still think you are what you were but you really aren't that anymore and I think that sort of was hit what hit Earl when he was in Baltimore when he got in the camp and it was August of 2020, oh, yeah. and, the and then the players sort of got yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. that's a room where it's him and that. him and Deshaun Elliott are in the same you know safety room and that's stuff, crazy. and that's where the conflict happened. And that was when he was sent home from there. Was whenever I was like, all right, it seems like that's the end for Earl because it was already done in C- Seattle, and then going there, getting that opportunity, and a guy like Harbaugh and the fit, he was like, no matter what's going on in Earl's life, if they're going to have a sound situation around him to get what was left, I thought it was going to work in Baltimore, and then it was done in three weeks. It was done quick. And then after that, and it's been, when I heard he was working out here, this is almost two years removed yeah. from that. Exactly. So it's just been a long time since then. Yeah. It was just, it, 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 you, like you guys remember when Vince Young threw it a pro day, this was probably about, I don't know, mm-hmm. 2014, 15. When yeah. It was right before he went to Canada. Uh, he was. I, he, he, right. I was just looking up. He went to Canada in 2017. Yeah. So he's years for that. And that pro day was like, man, I think at that point, I, and again, this is me because in my conscience, I still I still remember the guy that USC couldn't put a hand on in Trust championship me. Game. Exactly. That's the guy I remember. Yeah. And watching that, I'm like, I think, I think it might be done. Watching Earl, there was no question. I'm like, this is. Yeah, so but you know it's done. But then for Vy, it took him like another I said, year sitting in a hotel room in Saskatchewan with a torn hamstring to be like, "Yo, what? I think I think <laughs> it it's took, over." Yeah, it took him another year or two. And even for me, I got done with Canada and still kept the dream going. Right? Canada, yep. I always say nobody grows up wanting to be a CFL star. You know, Canada's like the porn industry. Nobody grows up wanting to be a porn star. They don't. I don't care what they say at yeah. the eight at the uh, the what the AVN whatever it is, <laughs> the porn awards. I don't care what they say. <laughs> I always wanted to be a, a porn. No, you never. No, you didn't. You wanted to be a Hollywood star. And then stuff happens. Life happens. And you end up being a porn. Star, I'm not judging, okay? But that's what the CFL is. Nobody grows up wanting to be a CFL Hall of Famer. No, no you end up there because that's one. Unless you're Jackson Jeffcoat. 
Uh, well, you're no, just I still exactly, kind of. exactly. Exactly. He never wanted to be there, but he's up there and he's keeping the dream alive. And he's doing great, by the way. Yes. I actually That's talked why to Jackson, I him out. Jeff Coat. Yeah, and, uh, he was at a basketball game that I went to this past season and hung out with Jackson. Um, so shout out to him. But like I said, it's kind of like the porn industry. Nobody grows up wanting to be that. But even for me, I left the porn industry and then went straight to this. Hooking on the street and yeah. went to the it went to the arena football. I went straight to you exploiting myself. Your first year in radio, <laughs> you had cleats in your car in case a team called. Yeah, I was delusional. Yeah, I was just I was, in case. I, but I was still getting calls from you know from like can Canadian teams and, <laughs> and, and 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 you know bit arena football league teams. And then sometimes I'm random. I don't know some other minor league whatever <laughs> semi pro league would call me and be like, hey man, you think about coming back? And I and I'd really have to just be like, no, I'm not coming back. No, I have to fight it off. Yeah. I mean. It and I would think is about the, it. Is the arena league like the clips you see on Pornhub where it looks like somebody just shot it with a camcorder? Like one of those deals. There's nothing professional about it. the amateur it. stuff. It's yeah, just, yeah, it is. Eh, it's, it's really, it's really it's, unsavory. Well, you said you sh- I should have known up there that, listen, it's done. And I didn't. I mean, so it, it's tough for guys, man. So I, I, I wish him luck. I hope it, he can come back. But he'll have that moment. He'll have the moment. He'll have it. Everybody does. It's a sad moment, too. Well, very sad moment. When I think of you in Canada, <laughs> I just think of the story you tell about Ricky running you over and then saying, hook him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, a, I got a pick. I was actually doing well in Canada. I had like two picks on my rails yeah. ball and, and, yeah, didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see if it works out for any of these other Longhorn draft hopefuls. Again, we're talking about Josh Thompson and Cameron Dicker, but there was a couple other guys that I saw. A Derek Kerstetter, I think, is a guy that's going to get himself in a camp. Uh, put together, and we talked about his versatility, experience, a guy that you want in your locker room. Nothing, Nobody has anything bad to say about him. Uh, six five three ten, thirty one reps on the bench, five one five forty, twenty nine inches on a vertical jump, four six nine on the pro agility, and then Derek Kerstetter for the hey. measurements, uh, nine and six eighths inch hands, thirty three and one okay. eighth inch arms, hey. seventy eight and one eighth inch wingspan, and again uh, measuring in about six four and a half and three oh five. All right, uh, Kerstetter, yeah, somebody might. Look at Kershaw because of the versatility. Camp body, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the versatility. He can play any position on the line. Not saying he can play him all at high level, but he can, he can play him. I'll give you the, the guy that, and it's a shame, I don't know, I don't think he would have been an all-Big 12 guy, but I would have liked to have seen what he had done with the rest of the season. Denzel Okafor actually started after the, the Arkansas game. Nobody on the offensive line had a good game against Arkansas. Yeah, it was a terrible But against game. Rice and Tech, Denzel Okafor started turning the corner a little bit and was actually – you could, to me, was actually serviceable, but then he, you know, suffers the knee injury in the TCU game and it ends his career. He, he had the measurements that multiple scouts right had to go repeat those, please, and, mm-hmm. and guys wanted to make sure these were verified. <laughs> you got that echo? Yeah. A hair good. A hair over six three and three oh seven. Okay. Nine and seven eight seven eighths inch hands, so almost ten inch and ten inch mm-hmm. hands. Yeah, that helps. Arm length, thirty six and a third inch. Wingspan eighty six and three eighths. Yeah, okay. That's seven two and three. It'll, it'll make somebody go back. To, it'll make you go back to the film. I mean, yeah. that's what he wants, right? You want to at those pro days. You want to do something freaky enough to make him go. You know what? I gotta go watch some more film on this yeah. dude. Uh, and that's. I think that would have made them go watch some more film on Denzel. Mm-hmm. So good for him. Yeah, because if you have like say bad leverage in college or something like that, but you have that frame and you have arms that are that long, and it's like oh, I think I can sort of adjust his technique here, make that guy be somebody that's hard to get around. No, and we know Texas has uh, unfortunate, <laughs> uh, unfortunate reputation now for underdeveloping offensive linemen. Yeah. Getting them in and undeveloping offensive line. We just talked about Calvin Anderson. You talked about Donald Hopkins. Hawkins was an active roster NFL player. Trey Hopkins on his what third, third contract? contract? Yeah, and switched positions on him too, didn't he? And yeah. playing yeah. like center center now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Jeff, you said Kerstetter was at thirty one reps. Thirty one reps on the bench. Yes. Yeah, because the the highest combine performer at the bench this season was thirty two. Oh, oh wow! Out of all old linemen, yeah, okay. thirty two Zion Johnson. Then looks like Jamari Sawyer was at 31 and Cole Strange was at 31. I, I think Oka, Okafor was also at 31 reps. So, I mean, yeah, which is impressive with is the, impressive. Uh, what is it? With the, his 7 2 wingspan? That's insane. Yeah, with, with those, those long I wanna, arms. I want to see that. With the 36 plus. With the yeah, 36 I want to see that. That does look freaky. See somebody do a bench all no, the way. No, I mean, up. that's they why make you, they make people rag on Kevin yeah. Durant yeah. not being able to do the bench press when he's getting drafted, which is pointless in the first place. But if you have long arms, a bench press is so hard to do. For a dude with 86 inch wingspan to be putting up 31 reps like that, that's insane strength. Yeah. No, I I, I like 
I think Kurster has got a, a decent shot to at least impress and maybe somebody can put him on a practice squad or something like that just because of the versatility. That's rare, though, line, man. It's just rare to find a guy that can move around like that. I don't know if he has enough play strength. That's my question with Kerstetter. Yeah. Play strength. Yeah. He just, he's yeah. not it, – it, nah, Functional. I'm, I'm, obviously, he's got some strength. I'm not saying mm-hmm. he does. Well, I said play strength specifically because I don't know if it translates. Like It's like 40 times, right? Yep. All 40 times don't translate to the field. All right. I mean, some guys run a four, four, five. I was talking about J.C. Jackson. I went back and checked his forty time. Four, four, five, four, four, yeah. six. Yet, yeah, people consider him one of the best cover corners in the league. Like it's, it's all about your leverage. It's all about you know how getting in and out of your breaks. It's all about how you you know how you how you're going to use your body and your body, uh, kind of your really your body intelligence. All mm-hmm. those different types of things. Also, I, I biomechanics. By all those different types, so many different factors that play into it in terms of what translates to being a good football player. For him, he needs to find a way to translate that strength, which is in that bench, to the play strength. And I don't mm-hmm. really know for him what it takes to do that biomechanically, as Magic said. I'll give you another guy that's really interesting. We didn't see it much at Texas or Alabama because of his injury history. But Ben Davis, when you talk about the stuff that makes you a five-star prospect, and when you're projecting a five-star prospect, you're projecting them to be first-round picks. Yeah. Here's a guy, 10-inch hands, arm length, 34 inches, Wingspan, 87 and 1.8 at about 6'3 and a half, 237. Yeah. Uh, ben Davis, vertical jump, 34 inches, 10.7 on the broad jump, 21 reps on the bench, went 4.7 flat in a 40. The testing numbers are not terrible. Uh, 5.10, no. 5 shuttle, a 4.32. The testing numbers aren't bad, but again. He's like he's like sprinting schooler, though. Mm. Yeah, right. pretty much. Yeah. Brandon Schooler is like Brandon Schooler's testing. Yeah. I'm like, man, as good or better, as good or better than Josh Thompson. Exactly. I'm like, you put that at the combine, man. That's gonna that's some decent numbers even at the combine for Brandon Schooler. But just like Ben Davis, I guess it'll make me go back to the film. My concern will be when I go back to the film, I'll go, oh hell no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I mean, you know, I'm looking at the measurables. I'm going, oh, you know what? That actually something like that may translate. Then I go back to the film and I go, oh man. But with Texas- Ben Davis, it's it's more of. Even you look at the per snap numbers, like you look at the PFF numbers, he was actually maybe the highest graded front seven defender Texas had. But what is the butt, Rod? To Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size butt. His least favorable ability was his availability. He just wasn't able to play. That's true. Yeah. But so maybe that's upside. Maybe. maybe you can get him into a camp and he can stay healthy. Maybe that's upside. You know what I'm saying? That's why this, a lot of these guys are intriguing. I said school is intriguing. Yeah. Because yeah. 30 years ago, if he's Mike Mamula, he's a first round. Like, if you had good measurables like that at the Combine in 1990, you could skyrocket well, up the board because they I, didn't know what to do with and him. I, and I'll tell you another reason. That's a good I, – I, I totally agree with you. And I'll tell you another reason that back in the day, a guy like – uh, Britton Schooler and a Ben Davis would have a better shot at making a roster. Special teams was more of an emphasis. Mm-hmm. It was a priority with special teams. The NFL itself, literally with the rules, are de-emphasizing special teams. Yeah. They are devaluing. They, they want less special teams in the NFL and more points and more plays that count. Uh, they say it for safety, but I think it's more about entertainment value. But still, for, the, for guys like that, you would want a school on your roster 15 years ago because, hell, man, special teams was was, was literally a third, you believed, of your recipe to win, and that guy was going to be on every special teams unit and probably end up becoming one of your better special teams. Players. One of your former teammates on the 40 Acres. Marcus Wilkins played more in the league than he did at Texas Baller. because of his ability on special teams. He was one of the best special teams players in the league. I used to play special teams mostly. All right, That's how I made my money in the league. Uh, and when we do special teams meetings, when we'd have to play against, he was the Packers at the time when I was with mm-hmm. the Lions. He they they talk about Marcus Wilkins like about all right we got this this guy here man Wilkins man he's a he's a he's a freak all right the guy could run the guy could bang he's unbelievable we got to stop this guy we got to neutralize him okay we are gonna bump him initially and then we got another guy gonna sweep in around him and gonna try to side swipe him that's back when you actually could yeah. you know what I mean like you know what I mean block a guy uh, on special teams now you can't block anybody on special teams uh, but yeah I mean they used to pay attention to him I'm not, I think he might have been I don't know if he was a Pro Bowler but I'm telling you he was one of the best special teams players in the league yeah I, I remember when played played more 
games in the NFL, I think, than he did at Texas. Oh, no doubt. And we wasted him here at Texas. He was wasted. That's one of those guys you should have repurposed. You should have found. You could have played him at edge. You could have played him at off-ball linebacker. Texas did not repurpose him enough. That should have been a guy you repurposed. Yeah, full transparency. I remember being in, like, I think college or maybe when I had first started in radio and going through, like, Texas draft picks for some reason across the board. And I was like, who the hell is this Marcus Wilkins guy? Because, like, I didn't remember him from playing at Texas, but he was one of our listed, you know, NFL players that was drafted. I was like, what the hell? Who is this guy? Yep. I'll just give you a couple more. Uh, well, let's do Brennan Schooler, right? You mentioned Brennan Schooler, uh, 6'1 and a half, 203. The size checks out, 32 and a half inch arms, Man. 78 and 78 inch wingspan. And I just gave you the numbers on Josh Thompson, right? Brennan Schooler, same vertical, an inch better. So that's 37 and a half vertical. Man. An inch better on the broad jump at 10'8. One more rep on the bench was 16. White man can uh, jump. His 44-4-1 on the 40. Uh, he had a four one six pro shuttle, which was better. The five ten five, which was better than Josh Thompson, and his three cone drill of six six five was better than Josh's. This is my thing about Brendan Schooler, and we we all know it's true because it's thinking in your head right now. You can visualize him being close to like three picks right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. right, like or, man, you just caught that one was it like the Iowa State game, the yeah. Kansas game had a number. The Kansas one is the like, There are like three of those. Like, oh, if Brendan School makes those, he's probably getting drafted. Yep. Probably, if he and, makes, think about this. This is like, the it's the butterfly effect moment for his life and for this program <laughs> right is. now. If Brendan Schooler makes that pick against Kansas, he oh, probably God. at least bumps himself up to a priority free agent, and Texas is in a bowl game. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay, everything would be so different if he just made a couple of those plays. So that's what I think about Brendan Schooler. Maybe because he was really close to some plays. I remember no, my head even being on like, run plays. Damn it, Brendan Schooler. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah right he's in the hole. He's he right just there. doesn't make the tackle. Oh, the, oh you'd have made that play. Like it'd have been tackled for a loss. Ends up, it's an 18 yard game. Yes, <laughs> it's like oh, so I can see it potentially because listen, this is a guy that also played wide receiver now. So he wasn't full-time playing defense. And he worked out at both. He worked out at both at Pro Day. He worked out at both at Pro Day. So I think there's something also that will make scouts go, hmm, their ears are perked up. This is an athlete. This is a football player. I know the the scout from the Titans (laughs) before he came to do media, and it was just – I think it was just me and Calvin Watkins that did media with Schooler. Uh, Mm. The scout from the Titans pulled him and was like, hey, we'll, we'll call you. Exactly. Yeah, hey, I think there was a couple other teams, maybe the Jets. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, like to cut your jib, young man. It was, it's thirty-two teams with tons of scouts. Somebody out there is going is going to like you. Like somebody out there is going to be like, man, I like him. I just, I think he's, I like him. Now it ain't going to be a lot in terms of undrafted free agent, but man, you gonna have two or three that's going to be like, I like his measurables. He reminds me of this guy. What? Mm-hmm. It is probably BS, but that's all it takes. That's all you need. And I think school is going to get that well, from a few teams. I told you guys a story, like, back when the NFL draft was 12 rounds, how Larry Brown, Super Bowl MVP, got to the Cowboys, right? No. I, that story? I, I haven't heard you. I don't you haven't told you the story, Rod? I don't think so, I remember it. So he's in the 91 draft. The draft is 12 rounds at that point. Jimmy. And Jimmy Johnson's wheeling and dealing, making all these trades during mm-hmm. the draft. The Cowboys took Russell Maryland number one overall that yeah. year, traded, traded to get him. And they got to pick in the 12th round. And Jimmy says, all right, guys. I'm done drafting. I'm tired. I want to get something to eat. He looks at the staff and says, you guys make the pick, but it's got to be a local guy because I don't want to have Jerry to pay to fly in our 12th round draft pick. So, <laughs> so find a local guy. And Dave Campo stands wow. on the table. Dave Campo says, I want that corner out of TCU, that brown kid. I think he can play. I like him. Let's take that kid. Everybody's like, I can argue with camps. He's standing on the table for the kid. Larry Brown's our pick. That's how Larry Brown got oh, drafted by the Cowboys. That's a great story. I've never heard that before. Yeah, that's how Larry Brown got drafted by the Cowboys. <laughs> and, and that's exactly how, like, we've had all <laughs> like that kid. That's the my NBA's guy. had to yeah. hire all, or get all these replacement players that's this year great. for the COVID rosters. Yeah. And they had to, like, call. it's like the Miami Heat were forced to find a kid. In within like driving distance of San Antonio to for the San Antonio game, and I was like, man, they can call Jacobin Brown or something. Like, there's literally players <laughs> coming out of nowhere only because of their proximity yeah, to a, a city that yeah, they're yeah. playing in. And like, it's the same thing with uh, undrafted free agents. Like, you'll see that like the Texans will work out the same Houston State kids right. and the Lamar kids, yep. and like those type of things actually do matter in certain situations. That's no, what I like. Right that's what I like. True. That's one thing I like. The NFL teams do for the pre-draft process. The Cowboys do this, and the Texans do it too. They'll take kids within a certain radius 
if you went to high out. school in that area mm-hmm. or you're a college kid from that area, they'll bring in you mini know, 50 guys. Yeah, yeah a little mini do a little pro, they'll do yep. a little pro day. Yep. No, because I, I, remember, I remember actually speaking of getting full circle to my time uh, when I was done at the end and my agent was like, you don't want to go on one of these little workouts? You can just, he said, they, they don't have to invite you. You can bum rush them. Like yeah. they, they'll, they'll have you on a list and go, oh, oh, Babers. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll let you in. Just because yeah. they, they're like, oh, no, we just free evaluation. We'll take it. So he was encouraging me at the time. I was like, no, go bum rush one of them workouts. And I was like, nah, you got to bum rush a workout. You need to be. That's like major league, right? You don't like, bum rush a workout. You better be a ball. And I was like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to ball out bum rush the workout. We're going to bum rush a workout and run a 4-5. That ain't going to be good. <laughs> I, no, I made, a full, I made a full out of myself. I got on to the, one of the Rangers tryouts. Remember when we I was oh, producing yeah. the sports buffet? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they, they yeah, you had to be under 25, and I was like 25. 27 at the time, but they made accommodation since we were a radio station in town. And <laughs> it's on YouTube if you type in Matt Butler tries out for Rangers. How did AM you do? Uh, all right. Like I made contact with the ball three of the five times and then, bad. yeah, threw the ball to first base a few times. Nolan Ryan was sitting right there behind the cage. No way. Cool. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me and Daniel Williams, it was uh, Aaron wow. Williams's little brother, was oh. like one of the big prospects that was there. And there was a handful of big prospects that they were really there to see. But then there's, there's like a Doing a radio bit. <laughs> yeah, me and Rick Welch both. Uh, I remember, two, oh, I remember yeah, this. Yes. I do remember this now because yeah. I do remember Rick Welch. Okay, I do remember that. I yeah. do remember that. Yeah, 2000, I think 11 or something tried Man, out for the That's Rangers. what we did, great radio bits. <laughs> well, no, we did. Because I, uh, I I remember I tried out for The Bachelor back in the yeah. day. We used to do great radio bits back in the day. We were passionate. Now, yeah, not so much. We don't do that. <laughs> Sports that? radio takes. This is not, I don't know. The opportunities don't exist like that anymore. I don't know. We used to do like great bits. Like, he, he tried out for the Rangers. Like, we, just, we just did weird stuff. You know? I trained for a week. I yeah. found every I was out there throwing. Lunchbox ran a, a half marathon yes. with no out of training. nowhere. Out of nowhere, like, he ran thirteen like, miles. Yeah. I th- they thought the suits thought he was going to die. Like they did not want him to. They made him sign a waiver if he died. Have a heart attack. You are not going to sue us and blame us. He ran. And dude, remember it was a crowd that followed him all the way from like South Congress to the station because it was such a big event. And everybody was like, "Love!" It was like, "Yeah, man, good job." He was like in tears at the end. It was crazy. The tasing of Bob Cole. Tasing of Bob Cole. Oh, that's some of the best audio that exists. Yeah. I'll the find world. that great somewhere bits someday. Back in the day. But you know what? We're bringing back the bits. I've got Snoop. I've got, <laughs> I'm trying to convince Snoop, Snoop Daniel, by the way, on Light the Tower from 10 to noon oh. with myself and Craig. I'm trying to convince Snoop to take a taser shot. Uh, oh, yeah. I heard you try to do this. And They're like, never going to do it. So, well, and, and Snoop can't swim, so I want to get him like to one of my daughter's swim classes to get him oh, to no, maybe do that it. That would be an bit. amazing That's bit. a good bit. And he once blacked out, like had to be carted off by paramedics bit. on a roller coaster at Six Flags. So I want to get him back on a roller coaster to see if he can survive. <laughs> also, it would be a quality bit. See, it's just you guys need the right mix to do bits. Snoop is perfect. Snoop will do yeah, a radio you're, bit. You're, 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 we're yeah. young. You're, yeah. you're doing bits is kind of a younger thing. Like, we're BK. He took the... Uh, a bus to El Paso. Right? <laughs> like, I remember like, that. You, young. you came as yeah. an old man. I can't explain it to me. I've got kids. a kid now. I can't. Uh... <laughs> I can't babe, I can't take a bus. Uh, and she was like, yeah, she's not going to let me do it. So I, I think it's a younger radio thing, and now we're not young. But Snoop is not young either. Your days of doing bits, you know they're over when you're like, I check my life insurance policy, make exactly. sure this is covered. I got I to gotta tell my wife about it. Nah, we can't do that bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, weren't we talking about the draft uh, a minute yeah, ago? Yeah, my bad. Sorry. Yeah. We got into bits. I hope people are still listening at this point. Uh, so that's pretty much it for Pro Day. Uh, Cade Brewer is kind of the only other guy really uh, that I think might have a chance. You, you need an elite tool. Yeah. Right, at, especially at like a tight end position for teams. So like the elite tool for, you know, for for Josh Thompson is his versatility. For you know, for a guy like Brennan Schooler, I think it's going to be athleticism and intrigue. Exactly, exactly right. Plus, he played offense, defense, started for two different Power Five programs. Hey, that means the guy can ball, ball player. As, yeah. as Matt Butler Denzel said. Okafor will be in a rookie mini camp just based off these measurables. Based on those measurables, because it looks like his freakish tools may just be his, his raw measurables. That is just raw athleticism. I think for a guy like Kerstad, it's going to be versatility. Right, you can play all locker positions, room guy on the offensive line, yeah, that kind of stuff. So for Kate Brum, I'm trying to think what's the elite tool that's going to make a scout fall in love with him. I don't know, man. And I don't think he has it. He's not an elite blocker. None of his testing that. numbers and the 40, the the 40, the bench, the 5'10", 5", or the 3-cone, none of them were top 10. Uh, 40 was 4'8", so nothing, like you said, Rod, nothing 
And there's no knock on Cade. There's no. nothing elite. Yeah, nothing separates him from the pack. What's going to separate you if I'm a scout? I got a lot of tight ends on my damn wall here. What, what's going to separate this guy? What's, what's makes him stand out? And I and at Sark's offense, it didn't do him any favors. So Sark doesn't really, even though he says it's the second most important position on on the offense, I think we all kind of, I, I do the eye roll when he says that. But I, I know why he means it. But in terms of weaponizing that guy in the passing game, which I think you'll see more of this year because you have to, uh, we didn't really see that this year. He didn't use these tight ends. He likes tight ends. He didn't use these. Mm, tight I don't know. Ends. He never really uses tight ends. Go look at it. Go look at his history. He, he used, really used tight ends that much. Used them more at Bama than he did. Oh yeah, use them more, but they're not like it. They're right. not like a key uh, card. Yeah. I won't argue offense. with you on that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. He definitely used them. He'll use them more. No question. I think he definitely wants to use them more. We know that. Um, and he'll have better tight ends too. I think more athletic tight ends to work with this year. They're raw, but they're more athletic than Cade Brewer. Yeah, so was it uh, Safarian Jenkins in Washington was like the one time he had an elite tight end, I think. Oh, uh, was that it? Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. Well, he's, he's had great like skill sets for tight ends. I mean, they've yeah, been like Jalil Billingsley. Yeah, exactly. He's a freak. But yeah. again, that's a guy that can like, you look at it. But he can't. That's Sark identifying. Okay, this guy has an elite tool. He's, he's not a, an inline guy, but I'll use block, him as a he can get as open. a big slot or a flex, yeah. whatever. Exactly. And Sark is good at that. Yeah. Sark is good at finding out what you're good at and weaponizing. And that's what intrigues me about this tight end room. You throw Billingsley in there, and we know J- uh, Jatavion Sanders has an elite tool. He's got, I think he's got a couple of them. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Juan, Juan, Dav- Juan Davis might have a couple and they of like them. Juan, he likes Juan Davis because out of all, he put Juan Davis in some, uh, like, I think of a jet sweep he gave him last year. That little like, flip pass, the yeah, jet sweep. Yeah, he, he thinks he's athletic enough to make plays for him. Uh, and then Gunnar Helm's probably the most complete guy. In that room, it's interesting, yeah. can he? But as an in, if you're an inline guy, we're talking about Cade Brew, like we talked about at the top with Andrew Beck. If you're going to be an inline guy or H back, you better be able to move people, set the edge, and move people off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, Jeff Banks has got these guys work cut out for him this offseason because that's what he's going to teach all these guys. We'll get we'll be exclusively on spring practice next week when we Ooh, record. Nice, because the first spring practice is next Tuesday, one week from today. I like it. So as we close. Matt, I'll start with you. Or Rod, if you want to start, whoever. Give me one thing that's top of mind for you. All else, if you're power ranking the things that you want to see fixed, worked on, come to fruition in spring practice, what is oh, it? man. Wow. Yeah, mine oh. sort of surfaced there, and just as a fan, I just want to see viewers in the Texas offense. And it's not as if quarterback was broken, but just having something elite at quarterback to see from there. But – if we're talking about, like, in the weeds, I want to see the line of scrimmage look good. Like, at the D-line and O-line, it's hard to tell in the spring, but you would like to at least hear good things from that. Uh, mine is I, the one position group, we've talked about all the position groups. You can go back into the archives. We have broken down every position group heading into spring practice. The one group that I'm more anxious to see, hear, study about than any other, I want to know which of those young guys are going to come to the surface on the edge. Justice Finkley is a mid-year enrollee. Prince Dorva, Prince Dorba, David Aviara. Mm-hmm. You still got Ovia Gofu hanging around. DJ Harris. Which of those young? Because you're going to need. Look, you need some of those guys that have been on campus a couple of years. Yep. You're going to need some of those guys to step up. Otherwise, the best plan for PK. You're talking Argo principle at that point, Rod. It mm-hmm. might just be throw Justice Finkley and Jamon Tap out there and say, you know what? We hope by the end of the year. Yep. All this has paid off. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the obvious answer is probably what Matt said initially. I just want to see the quarterbacks and how they look in the offense. Quinn Ewers, see the upgrade uh, with the overall skill set at quarterback there and how much improvement has Hudson Card made in the offseason. I, I really do want to see Hudson Card's progression. I do. I want to see how comfortable he is in the pocket, his pocket presence, um, you know, confidence. I want to see that. I, I don't think because I, I still think Quinn Ewers is going to win the job, but I do want to see if it's going to be a real competition or if basically, you know, it's just it, it, it's a full competition. We'll get and we'll get more into this next week. But the other thing that I'm looking at at quarterback, one time with one time transfer, Hudson Card can leave at the end of spring and go right in and, and compete legitimately compete is, with somebody's job. If very likely, if Quinn Ewers beats him out, which is very likely at the end of the spring. Yeah, I'm going to be watching Ben Ballard, Malik Murphy, and Charles Wright. Chances are, one of those three guys is going to be your backup quarterback. Very true. 
Yeah, unfortunately, that is that's that's the truth. You got to throw all those young guys. It's the nature of the beast in the one-time transfer transfer portal era that we're in right now. And I just talked about how that's essentially your insurance policy. And there, honestly, it's been probably three, maybe four years in the last twenty years where Texas hasn't needed a backup quarterback or multiple quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It, it's not as you would think. Like, uh, we haven't had as much stability as you would think. Like, it's no. actually— 05, 08, no coincidence. That's what I'm saying. Like, like you, that, even going back, like, you, you, those you, are good you, years. either because of competition or because of attrition or whatever, yeah. you've been you've used multiple quarterbacks. You would say, I'm not saying, but Bam Bam Sam missed a, couple, missed a few mm-hmm. games. You don't make yeah. the Big 12 title game if not for Buccelli. Nin- 19 was the only year with Sam where he went wire to wire. Yeah, well, look it's, at that. It, yeah, exactly. It's going to be one or two games. I'm not saying you're going to miss half the season, but one or two games, you're going to need that backup to step up potentially. The only times Texas has played in championship games almost, if you go back across the board, you talk 05, 08, 19, and yeah. then like the 09, Gilbert gets hurt at the end. That's like, true. It, it's literally any other year when you didn't, you needed two quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. The one game where oh, Colt would have done it in 09, it just sucks that the one game where you needed your backup oh, quarterback was. the last one. Oh, what a way to end the show. Thanks I'm sorry. <laughs> which which I'm also sorry. I meant to say earlier showed Colt the value of having a good backup quarterback, which he is in the NFL. Irony. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of something better to end on, but I just that jacked it all though. up. Well, he yeah. ended on the Cole McCoy Thank day. Cole McCoy still making money, baby, which is, I oh, think, yeah. where we started the show. Full circle. Yeah, I looked it up. <laughs> Chase Daniels made like $57 million as a backup. That's just awesome. tie everything together. I love that. Nice little neat bow. Spring practice next week, gentlemen. Looking forward to it. Matt, thanks for everything, yeah, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Redfield Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod and Mike Harge each and every weekday on Ball Don't Live from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also catch myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower. 10 to noon and thanks to Matt you get all of our archives our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz search horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast just click that follow button get every episode of the Blitz the flagship and state of recruiting when they drop and don't forget to leave us a five star review for the Horn family for the Horns 24-7 family I'm Jeff Howe thank you so much for downloading and listening and we will catch you again on the next episode You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.